The story you'll hear in a moment was recorded on Friday, May 13th. During our conversation, my guest Wendy Griffith mentions praying that the headlines regarding the men trapped in the steelworks in Marupol would say they were allowed to evacuate. On Monday, May 16th, as I was scanning the BBC World News feed, I saw the headline, Maripol, hundreds of besieged Ukrainian soldiers evacuated. Prayer works. Now to Wendy's God story. Hey friends, I hope you are ready for a faith-filled God story that will encourage and inspire you. I'm your host, Jody Kiracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. You may recognize Wendy Griffith's name. You may have seen her co-hosting the 700 Club or anchoring Christian World News, but there's a lot more to Wendy than her on-air accolades. She is a joyful, adventurous, and beautiful, on the inside and out, woman of God, who, when we were both single, I'm privileged to say, was my housemate for a number of years. Wendy has co-authored two books. She was reported from Capitol Hill and many other places. And to my chagrin, she climbed Mount Kilimanjaro without me. We had planned to do that at one point, but it didn't happen. And she did it years later. I still wish I would have been on that trip with you, Wendy. But uh, I know our listeners are going to love your story. So welcome, Wendy. Great to see you, my former roomie. And never too late. We can still... Let's let's do it again. I, I've been thinking about climbing it again anyway. So All right. Well, I better start working out then. <laughs> well, Wendy, you just returned from another quite interesting place. Uh, you were reporting on the Ukraine crisis for CBN News. What was that experience like and what did God show you there? I didn't know really what to expect, Jody. I got to the border. It was super cold, raining that day. Operation Blessing had a tent. You used to head Operation Blessing for CBN. Um, I was so blown away. Uh, I don't always get to see OB in action, but I mean, people were coming in. They had just gotten off. Some of them had been on trains for two days. Some had to walk uh, uh, even some, uh, or they just, you know, had been in bunkers for a month. They just, they finally make it to the border. Right. And so there's all these humanitarian agencies, including OB. And when they got to the OB tent, some of them would need a change of clothes because they were soaking wet. It was raining that day. And I remember one man came in with um, a little boy. He was a single father. His wife had passed about a year and a half ago. And um, they were in a dangerous part of Ukraine. They finally made it out. They were both soaked. The baby was screaming. By the time they left the OB tent, the, both of them had a change of clothes, new coat, a new suitcase, I mean, I was coveting the suitcase. I got to be honest, it was so nice. They had food, you know, and we prayed for them. Their countenance was completely different. I mean, and he showed me pictures of this the city where he had been in, in the, in the eastern part of Ukraine, you know, just devastating photos. But, you know, they, I was so shocked at the smiles that, you know, when they came in, maybe they were just so relieved to be somewhere safe. Somebody was there with a warm blanket, with a warm cup of coffee um, and saying, you know, we care for you. So I got to see OB in action. I got to meet some amazing pe people, uh, very courageous. I mean, honestly, I just came away inspired. One of the books you co-authored was called Praying the News. And it was actually really a timely topic for me. When I was having my uh, devotions this morning, I was glancing through the news and I saw this news report about a paratrooper who was killed by a bear in Alaska. So I just glanced at it and I noticed the guy was in my brother's army command. 
like he was, he reported to my brother. So I started praying for him and the whole situation immediately. It's so timely that we can actually, God shows us what to pray for out of the news. You know, in your situation in Ukraine, how can people pray for that situation? We hear so many different opinions and reports coming out of there. God has a clarity for us. What's your sense in that? When I was writing that book, God told me, tell my people they have the power to change the headlines. And that stuck with me so much because I thought, wow, because that's what we want to see in Ukraine. We want to see uh, Russia is defeated. Ukraine wins. Uh, Zelensky survives. I think we forget the power tool that God has given us. Prayer is our biggest power tool. It's a, it's a weapon um, it, that we need to use. You know, we need to pull it out of our arsenal. We need to get on our knees and remember that the prayers of the righteous availeth much, not we can see headlines change. I, I remember years ago praying for another war, Syrian, Turkey, oh, I can't remember the name of this town, but under siege and ISIS had already put their black flag on top of this town. It was the female Kurdish army. They were there. And I remember because, you know, as a woman, I was like really rooting for this female Kurdish army. And I started to pray and this town was everybody, all the newscasters were saying, you know, it's inevitable. This town is lost to ISIS. It's no hope. It's all hope was lost. And I decided to pray for a different headline. And I mean, I can't have been the only one praying, Jody. It wasn't a couple of days later where that town, ISIS was kicked out. And it turned out that that female army played a huge role in, you know, recapturing their town. So um, yeah, we can change the headlines and I'm guilty of not getting on my knees enough or I, I'll tell you what I have been praying. First of all, that God will just not allow Putin to press the nuclear button in any way, shape or form, you know, from the smaller tactical nukes that he could use just in Ukraine to the bigger nukes that could take out a European city or even an American city. So I've been praying, God, just don't physically let him be able to punch that button or or anybody in his in the Kremlin. Praying for that and been praying there's wounded soldiers in there. I think there's still like a thousand or something like that. So I've been praying for a different headline for that scenario because those people need to be rescued. And I don't know why. I mean I know I know even Turkey, I heard today that Turkey was trying to help those people get out and Russia said no. And so it's almost like they're just torturing these people that you know, they have no food, they have no water, they need to be rescued. Gosh, I mean, there's just so much to pray about in terms of Ukraine right now. Yeah, actually, a few days ago saw that they, some of the civilians actually were allowed out, but none of the men. There is so much to pray about and we can, I mean, we don't have to stand here wringing our hands when we see bad news. We can go to the God who is the newsmaker. You know, a lot of people have seen you on TV and working at, for a prominent Christian ministry, and they may wonder how you got there. A lot of people would love to be doing what you're doing, Wendy. It was, but it was quite a journey for you. And it all started when you came to faith in Jesus. So what was going on in your life? It was a while ago now, but what was going on in your life? And how did you come to encounter Christ? Well, I had already been in local news for 10 years. During the end of that 10 years, I was in Rockford, Illinois. I went to church with my cousin and I was like, my eyes were opened. This was Speaker sensitive church. I'd never heard contemporary Christian music. My heart, my spirit was ready. I gave my life to the Lord. I got baptized not too long later and um, was 
excited about being a new Christian. I, I'd, I'd received Christ when I was little, you know, in church camp when I was about 12 or 13. And, but this was real. This was different. This felt like an adult decision. <laughs> and then um, I ended up going back to Charleston, West Virginia as an anchor, which is my hometown from West Virginia. Started watching the 700 Club. Loved it. Knew everybody, knew all the players. And they advertised for a singles conference in the of 1998. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, take a tape with you. And by now I was out of TV. I was working for the governor. When the Lord said, take a tape with you, I kind of thought it was a fluke. I sort of argue with the Lord a little bit. And I, but I thought I better take the tape just in case. So I did. And I get there. And I mean, I was just, we were in the audience, got to see the 700 Club live. And my heart was beating so fast. And I just knew this is what God had. So I dropped the tape off. I didn't even bring like a resume or a cover letter or anything. I just hand scribbled. And this is when you know it's God. When you everything you can not to, to get something and then he makes it happen anyway. I hand scribbled a note. I didn't even know who the news director was to Terry Newson. Gave the note to the lady that was kind of hosting us in the studio that day. She got my tape to the news director and two weeks later they called, said they got the tape, but could I send a resume and <laughs> <laughs> do the normal things that you need to do, yeah. right? So I did, but it was that rhema word, you know, hearing that still small voice. And I was a pretty new Christian too, but I, I was like, you know, I think the Holy Spirit just told me to take a tape with me to that singles conference. So I'm really glad I listened because 22 years later and lots of adventures with Christian Broadcasting Network, here I am. I even got to be a co-host for eight years with Pat. Yeah. Well, Uh, I just, you know, I think going back a little bit, I think of the news media and the news industry, uh, what comes to mind is that movie with Robert Redford and Michelle Pfeiffer, Up Close and Personal, where you've got to really outmaneuver everybody else and you've got to push yourself forward. You know, I mean, the Lord really directed your steps in a kind of a different way. You started in before you were a believer, so maybe you had some of that in your early days, but... Once you became a Christian, God really ordered your steps from Rockford, Illinois. How did you get to the governor's office in (laughs) West Virginia? So I had become a Christian. So now we had a new news director and he thought Wendy on the weekends had a nice ring to it. Well, I didn't think it did because I had already been on the weekends. Yeah. Had left the station and and come back as a main anchor. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to come back to the weekends. And by then I knew that scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. I had this devotional. I had it opened. And I remember thinking, and you know, when you're a new Christian, it's so easy to take the word at face value. You, you don't question it. You're like, wait a minute. This is this is not God, you know? Yeah. This is not prospering me. This is taking me back. Yeah, they were going to offer me like $2,000 more a year. I'm like, no, I don't want to go back to the weekends. It was great when I was, when you're young and you're starting out on TV, you'll take any gig. I mean, it's great. But if you've done it, <laughs> and I was like, no, um, I said, Lord, that's not Jeremiah 29, 11. So I was covering politics in Charleston, which is the capital. And I decided to throw my name in the hat for press secretary. And I got it. It was a big pay raise. And the the guy that wanted to send me back to the weekends got to read in the newspaper that I got the job and got a, quite a big raise too. That's a big step of faith. I mean, I look at, you know, what the press secretary has to go through, the White House press secretary, and it's not quite to that level, but I'm sure you encountered some hostility and some interesting 
people in your position there. How did the Lord kind of guide you through that season? My first week on the job, we had major flooding. There's 55 counties in West Virginia and about 33 of them were underwater. The governor was a very gracious man and he had been governor, the oldest governor in West Virginia's history. And he had also been the youngest governor in West Virginia's history 40 years prior. So he was older and very gracious. And But he came to me and he said, Wendy, what do we do? What do you want me to do? Because we had all this flooding. So I'm still thinking like a reporter, you know, like a news person, but also now I need to work with the media. So I said, well, let's get you up in a helicopter, you know, get some camo on. You're going to get out there and you're going to meet the flood victims. You're going to hug some babies. You know, we're going to like, you know, and it was a great success because people like boots on the ground. And so my experience as a, as a reporter came in handy in that scenario. Fast forward about six months. We have more flooding. Again, Wendy, what do we do? As far as, you know, our PR campaign. But again, it worked before. Let's do it again. Well, it backfired this time. Now we're like, no, we want results. We want flood walls. Give us some money to build flood walls. In our town. You know, they didn't want just boot. They didn't want a hug. So I learned a lot. I just remember the governor wasn't happy with me because I didn't deliver. I'm 32 years old. I've never been a press secretary, but I was just like going on my experience as a reporter. You know, it was fun. And um, they were, again, he and his wife were very gracious, had a lot of fun times at the governor's mansion. And I, I remember just, you know, I, I could, I sort of had access to the governor's mansion, including the kitchen. So I could walk, through, I could walk through the kitchen and I would always somehow manage to put my hand in the cookie jar because they had this chef that made the boat, the most delicious chocolate chip cookies. His name was Otis, you know, just a lot of fun memories. That's how that little stint happened at the governor's office. That's the only time I've been out of TV, you know, in 30, gosh, 34 years. You went back to TV after the governor's office. Is that when you went to that singles conference? Yes. And, and what did they do? They got your, they got your interview tape and what happened? Then um, Michael Patrick called me, left a, he left a voicemail on my phone Thanksgiving of 1998, said, uh, we like you, we want to hire you. And uh, I started January 4th, 1999. Um, I thought I was going to be doing stories, testimonies about people that came to Jesus because I'd been watching the 700 Club. So they sent me to Capitol Hill to the D.C. office. And my first assignment is covering the impeachment trial. Of oh, Bill my Clinton. gosh. So it was, um, wow. but, but God, God had prepared me by letting me be in the governor's office for almost two years. Our Capitol looks like a mini version of the national Capitol and just being around power. God had let me be around movers and shakers and, and lawmakers and the governor. And then now I'm sort of still in that fishbowl, but it's a bigger bowl now. It was a heavy time spiritually for our country. I just remember it just felt like a dark cloud was over D.C. during that whole impeachment trial with Bill Clinton. But I was there. You were there for about a year. And then, then you came down to Virginia Beach. But That's we right. became roommates That's right. in 2000. Yeah. I think I think we Mark, actually met on the beach. I think you were there at the uh, one weekend when we were all at the beach playing volleyball or something. And somebody introduced us. Yeah. And I remember, you know, we met for coffee somewhere or lunch, you know, just hit it off. And you were like, so I got to be your roommate for four years. And thank you so yeah, much for that. It was a lot of because... fun. We got to see a lot going on in each other's lives during those years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> didn't we? And then I got to be yes. at your wedding. You came down to start anchoring Christian World News, right? 
Well, I came down to work with Christian World News Order and also do reports for CBN News. And then uh, about six months later or so, there was an opening for an anchor for Christian World News. I've had that role since then. So while your professional life was on a trajectory up, really, you know, the Lord was taking you from kind of success to success to success. On the personal side, you went through some hurts, but God was teaching you some lessons through that. Share some of that. I was having so much fun with my job and traveling and doing a lot of international reporting and that I was willing to wait. I remember having a lot of grace, you know, even during my forties um, and was able to celebrate with other people when they got married and both my sisters got married, you got married. I mean, everybody was getting married, but I was like, yeah, my turn's coming. I'm good. All is well. And then in my late forties, I did meet a guy. First, I, I wasn't like in love at first. A few months later, I, I thought, man, this could be the one. We dated for a year. It was pretty serious. I thought, you know, this is it. He ended up breaking my heart so bad. I mean, I, I've never experienced heartbreak like this. And when it was all said and done, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you loved him, but you didn't love yourself. You know, you settled for bad behavior. And he said, Wendy, you are a prize to be won. But write about your test. So I did. And you've seen the book, You Are a Price to Be One, Don't Settle for Less Than God's Best. There should never be after I love you. When I look back at pictures of myself, and that was just 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago this year. All I see is sadness. You know, I might be smiling, but my eyes just look so different. And God just, he let, God let me walk through such sorrow and grief and loss and rejection. And I remember telling God, even when my book came out, I'm never going to say it was worth it. No matter how successful this book is, it was not worth it. Well, after my 150,000th email from some lady saying it changed her life, then I said, okay, God. I, <laughs> it was it worth was it. Worth. Sometimes we go through pain. But, you know, it's it not only for other people. God is working in us as well. Nothing is wasted. So when he works it in us, he then allows us to help others that are going through similar things. And thank God, he that is so true. He doesn't waste our pain, Jody. And, you know, but when I was going through it, he, he told me, you know, this season will end. I remember I was out walking one day and I I think I was subconsciously thinking, I missed my chance. I'm, I'm already in my late 40s. I'm never going to meet anybody. But I heard so clearly, Wendy, you didn't miss it and it's not too late. I remember, you know, going back and writing those down. And then a few months later, I remember I was on a plane and it was still, you know, the heartache was still fairly fresh, but I think it had been about a year and I was still, you know, dealing with the loss of a dream, really, because I think down, I knew he wasn't the one. But I was dealing with rejection and I was also dealing with the loss of what I, you know, of this dream of being married. And I heard the Lord so clearly say, I was kind of complaining to the Lord saying, you know, I, I wasted one of my best years and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, I'm never going to be this young again. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, you're right. But now I'm going to give you my best. And I just like, I, I was sitting on a plane getting ready to take off for Turkey. And I remember thinking, wow. Hearing that word was worth the cost of this flight. No matter what happens on this trip, I'm already, I mean, I just, I needed that word. And one thing, you know, I want to say to people that are listening, I think one of the biggest keys to fulfilling your destiny, one of the biggest keys to keeping your hope up to not missing what God has for you is getting these rhema words, is, is hearing from God for yourself. Great to get a prophetic word. It's great to, you know, obviously read your Bible, you know, spend time in the Lord. A lot of times I'm in the bathtub, I'm out walking, 
I'm sitting on an airplane and all of a sudden I will hear the Holy Spirit say something that I really need and write it down and take it to the bank because I can't tell you how many times I went back to the Lord with those words. Lord, you said, you're going to give me your best. You said, I didn't miss it. You said, it's not too late. And and then of course, I like to remind God of what's in the Bible as too. Lord, you said two are better than one. You will give us the desires of our heart if we put you first. And so all of these things were keys to me not losing hope um, and still being able to rejoice with others as they're you know, meeting their significant others and, and to just have that faith that, you know, my time is coming. I mean, you started hearing from the Lord, really, as soon as you got saved, the Lord started kind of speaking to you. I think a lot of people have difficulty discerning what is the voice of the Lord and what's my own self-talk. So how did you train yourself to understand and to discern what was God and what was your own desires? I think a lot of people have that question. They do. And it's a great question. And it just comes from practice. A lot of times, though, it'll be a thought that comes that you know it's not your own thought. It will not be anything that contradicts the word of God or anything that would bring you down. I mean, God wants to encourage you. He's not going to give you a word like, you know, you're a loser. <laughs> you know, he's never going to say that. Now, we might like sometimes think, you know, man, I really screwed up. I mean, I'm, I, I'm an idiot. No, no, that those are things sometimes we say to ourselves that we should not be saying. God is never going to do that. So, and a lot of times it'll be, you know, I remember driving down the street in January and I was thanking God for these eight years I had. Pat, you know, Pat Robertson just stepped down as co-host, daily co-host. I wasn't really praying. I mean, I wasn't even like having this conscious prayer to God. I was sort of just like, wow, I'm so thankful for those eight years with Pat. What a privilege, you know, that I got to be there as one of his co-hosts when, you know, in, in the last eight years where he was, you know, it's a 60 year ministry. And I was just driving down the road. And as soon as that I had that thought, I heard, I'm not done. Okay. Awesome, God. And then I just started crying because a lot of times when it, when it's the Holy Spirit, he knows what you need to hear and it will just move your heart, you know, man, did I need to hear it that day? I just, I, and, and he knew it. And I wasn't even praying. I wasn't asking him for anything, but I was thanking him. So I think gratitude is also a key to receiving more from God, because when we're faithful, well, God's faithful, but when we're faithful in a little, he's going to give us more. But also I think even when we're not, even when we've messed up, God is so good, Jody. He's so good. And he knew I needed to hear that. Well, I know, you know, for me, as I've learned over the years, a word from the Lord brings peace or joy or comfort or love. It doesn't bring confusion or fear or anxiety. I mean, I can make up all sorts of stories in my own mind, you know, and when it works me up, then I, I have to say, no, I'm taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. And I'm tearing everything down that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Because God is not there. God is not that. God is not fear and anxiety and confusion. It's the opposite. Exactly. He's the opposite. So for me, that's one of those things I've had to teach myself is what is this word giving me? Is it giving me hope? Is it giving me joy? Is it giving me the things that God is? Is it imparting to me the character of Christ or not? Exactly. That's good. 
That's so good. So Wendy, getting back on kind of back on your personal love story, God brought you a wonderful man and, you know, you had been burned a few times. So what was different about this relationship that gave you the ability or the confidence to walk forward in it? Well, it wasn't love at first sight, but um, my, my girlfriend, Jenna, fixed me up with him and we had a nice time. And then I didn't see him for another month. But during that time, he would text or maybe call, but not a lot. And, and he was so, well, it's funny. One thing I remember about his text was like his grammar was perfect. I mean, his commas and periods and, and there was no misspelled words. I think, wow, he's very meticulous. I think it was really a blessing that it wasn't love at first sight because that gave Bill the ability to pursue me. And, and women are made to be pursued. And when our hearts are, when we're pursued, our heart slowly opens. I got to enjoy that because Bill pursued me. And then eventually, of course, I realized, um, wow, I really like this guy. I just thank God in the beginning. Yeah, I was like, whatever, you know, he's nice. <laughs> and, and that made him have to work a little bit harder, which is what men are created to do. And women, we're the receivers. We need to be pursued. So I love how that happened. And now I'm just madly in love with him, you know. Well, I love seeing the pictures that you put on Facebook. You're just beaming all the time. He's really brought out the joy of the Lord in you and um, and you and him. I don't really know him very well, but just the couple times I've met him, seems like you are very well suited. And He makes me laugh. That's what God knew. Like the other guy that broke my heart, he didn't make me laugh. I mean, he's like, this guy makes me laugh and smile every day. I remember before I was married, I... I was madly in love with this guy. At least I thought I was. He ticked all the boxes on my want list. You know, we seemed so perfectly matched together in my own mind. Well, for me, it was time for me to get married. And if I was going to have children, I needed to do it right then. And, you know, he, he was a spiritual guy and he just all the things. And like you, he broke my heart. And uh, I mean, I remember sitting in the kitchen one day and just saying, God, I don't know what's wrong with me. Just cut me in half because I'm, I'm so in pain. And, you know, that, that's where I met you. Yeah. I just remember it did. It took about a year from, for me to just feel whole again. Yeah. But the Lord was saying your expectations to me, he was saying your expectations aren't mine. I have something different for you, someone who's going to be better suited for you. You were yeah. trying to fit into his life, which that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I was trying to change myself to mm, yeah. be what he needed, not, right. not let God bring me together with the man that was going to allow both of us to do what God wanted us to do separately and together. I know what you mean. It took a few more years before that finally happened. But yeah, but you're Ron, yeah. who is great and so loving and kind. I agree. Was, I agree. <laughs> and I you know when we were roommates, so he got to pursue you because it wasn't love at first sight, even with you, right? Yeah. I mean, I kind of had a sense that he was the one because I really had been praying for a man of character, somebody who just had the character of Christ. And I saw that in him. He had proven character he was a widower with six kids. So that was a, you know, that was kind of a big stop sign unless the Lord brought you through. <laughs> that wasn't something that was on my gotta have it list, yeah. you know? And then Bill, my husband does not have children. Mm -hmm. The Lord knew. Yeah. I, uh, I got six kids overnight. 
And <laughs> and that that brought its own refinement in me. But uh, the story is your story, not mine. So, <laughs> well, we've talked a little bit about it, Wendy. But through all the highs and lows, of both professionally and and personally, was there a scripture or a promise that really sustained you and grounded you through it all? I mentioned Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and and one that I would have told you, you know, twenty five years ago, that was my favorite scripture. Still a favorite scripture, but now. It's now the whole Bible because the Bible is alive and it's living and it's breathing. And you might need a different scripture today than you needed yesterday. That is so good. But I still love Psalm 37, 4. You know, God will give you the desires of your heart. Also, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When I was dating Bill and I was having sort of like, trying to figure out, Lord, should, you know, am I wasting my time? What do I do? And I got in front of this car and the vanity plate said, lean not. And I'm like, boom, I knew what to do. I'm supposed to enjoy the ride and not try to figure it out. We want to know the end, but God's like, you know, chill, just don't try to figure this out right now. So I continued to date him and Voila, now I'm happily married woman, three years. Well, I love that, you know, as you're talking about your story, your just conversations with the Lord are just a natural part of you. You go through your day and you're like talking with the Lord all day long. And that's what the Bible says to do, pray at all times. And praying, sometimes it is intercession where we beseech the Lord on our behalf, but praying is just an ongoing conversation with the Lord, which is just a natural part of your life. Exactly. And there, there are times, like you said, for the heavy prayers where you're on your knees. There are times for those intercessory times of prayer um, when you're on your knees and you're crying. And, and there are times like, you know, you're just in your car and you're praying and, and God answers you even then. Is there a woman in the Bible whose story really encouraged or inspired or brought you through something? And how does her story connect with yours? I love Esther. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all love no, She was in the palace uh, for such a time as this to save her people from being wiped out. Yeah, I also love that Esther was humble. She didn't expect to get by on her beauty. She took advice from her uncle and she was bold. Jody, she, you know, she said, if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see the king. She was a risk taker. Esther was a risk taker. And I know in my own life, I've had moments of being very bold and taking risks like Kilimanjaro and moments where I've been timid and fearful and not acted perhaps as bold as I would have liked to. And I think, you know, looking back, God rewards us when we take that step of faith, when we uh, don't let fear have the final say, you know, God shows up and that thing we feared usually doesn't happen. When I was summit night on Kilimanjaro, I didn't even know where I was. I mean, we'd been climbing for about five hours and I started seeing people coming down the mountain with oxygen masks and I literally froze in my tracks. I mean, my teeth were chattering. I was like kind of freaking out. And I prayed and I said, Lord, you know, what do I do? And I didn't hear anything at first. I, I heard, I heard finish, but then I was still scared. And I, my guide, his name is Moody. He looked at me and he said, Wendy, this is where most people turn back. And that broke the fear. God knew I needed to hear that in that moment. Um, I needed to take a risk. I needed, because, you know, I love saying, I summoned a Kilimanjaro. I wouldn't have that privilege, you know, if I had turned back. I would have been one of those who turned back. I don't want to be one of those who turned back, Jody. I want to go for the summit. Go for the yeah. summit for God. Amen. For God. When I think of your story, uh, I think of 1 John 3, 3. In the Voice Bible, it says, Consider the kind, extravagant love the Father lavishes on us. He called us his children. It's true. We are his beloved children. 
And Colossians 1.12 says, He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. And Wendy, you have learned to live in the extravagant love of God. I see your stories. I hear about what God does in your life. And I think you are one who knows the extravagant love of God and how to live in that. Uh, The joy shows through you. That same love is available to you, dear listener. You don't have to wonder or worry that you're outside the love of God. It is available to you as well. And in a moment, Wendy's going to pray for all of us. We would also be honored to pray with you and help you with that choice. You can call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line. That's at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. The show notes of this episode, links to Wendy's books and the scriptures can be found at hergodstory.org. Hopefully you will sign up for our weekly devotions. You'll follow the podcast, share it with others. So Wendy, before we close, would you just pray for us? I would love to. And you know, Doug Stringer with Somebody Cares, he used to say, Wendy, one day you're going to meet your mountain man. And Bill, although he's from Virginia Beach, he's got the beard and he's very uh, rugged and he's sort of like a mountain man. And he proposed he won a mountain. He did. (laughs) Yes. So, right. Doug was right. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now. We lift up everyone listening to our conversation today. And God, you know them so well. God, uh, you know them better than they know themselves. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the desires of their heart, God. Lord, that you would let them know that you have not forgotten them. It's not too late. They didn't miss it. Mm -hmm. Want to give them your very best in life, whether it's for a mate or a job or a house or a ministry or that dream uh, that they haven't shared with anybody. God, you told me just yesterday, I was praying about something and you said, watch me work. Mm -hmm. God, you, sometimes you need us to just get our hands off and you're going to do it, Lord. I believe that's a word for somebody listening right now. Watch me work. God, you are able and you're willing. And so Lord, somebody needs a healing right now. I pray you would heal them. Mm -hmm. Perfect shalom in their body. And and somebody who just needs to be encouraged today uh, that you are working behind the scenes. And God is saying to you, watch me work. You are going to be amazed in the name of of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Her God's Story. I leave you with a blessing from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make it happen for he who loves you is faithful. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.